0: You're watching or and or listening to Rock and Metal <laughs> <Yeah>. Combat Podcast. <laughs> Look at that. Like a pro. That's right. And I'm man. like fucking Oprah. <laughs> he needed no help. <laughs> Thank you,
1: Mark. Appreciate yeah, sure. it. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman And I was banned from this podcast. And I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell! So, here they are! Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will. Even if they did ban me! Fucking assholes.
2: Hey, I'm Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh yeah!
1: The actual
2: alcoholic, Ian Wadley. And this is a damn good one. This is uh, the, the debut album from Death Angel. And we got Mr. Metal Mike, it's a long one, and we, I got a little special surprise at the very end of the show, an exclusive uh, at the very end of the show that you will love if you love Death Angel. So uh, let's take it away. What do you say, Ian? Oh yeah. Now's the time to review the 1986, I don't have to ask you fuck this, the album 1986, the Death Angel, the ultimate <laughs> violence. You're wrong. It's 1987. 1987, brother. 1987? Yes, yes sir. sir. That's weird, because I could have sworn I heard this in '86. I think, well, w- maybe... think Wikipedia is wrong. Well, maybe
3: you list. Did you hear Death Angel before? Like, did you have the Kill as One no.
2: No, demo I or no. whatever
3: it was? No? No,
2: no I did not. It's one but anyway, whatever. Uh, it's the first Death Angel album. I had it before you. <laughs> that's true mr wikipedia just because you live R- 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 wikipedia don't mean shit buddy and uh all right uh and yeah it's my favorite death angel album and i will go into more how uh this album proves they're better than testament to my ears and uh yeah they fucking rule and uh ian who do we have with us oh my god we
1: have the co-owner of that metal station Mr. Metal Mike Tyler is with us today.
3: Yeah, Metal Mike. Yeah. Hey, All right, man. guys. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, dude. Not awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, as always, it's a total fucking honor to be on the best goddamn podcast Fuck ever. Yeah. Fuck That's yeah. True. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of other podcasts I like and love, and they're good too. But nobody, and I mean nobody, fucking tops RMCP, man. That's so right. is that DJ Metal Mike. That's right. You can fucking quote me on that, motherfuckers.
2: Uh, I'm not a big fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers, but we rule. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, we were just hanging out with Mike just a few weeks ago.
3: That's
1: right. Rock and Pod
2: Expo, too. Oh,
3: man. One of the best times of my fucking life, guys. I loved it. It was so cool to finally get to meet you guys face to face. And then just all the amazing people I met, too. And I got to meet Chris Sinzak and... Uh Aaron Camaro of the Desert Geek, Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories. I want to give him a shout out. He said a lot of kind things about me on his latest podcast. Uh, Baco from Rock and Metal or uh, Cobras and Fire. Baco. Really great guy. Uh, the Canadian Geeks were cool, mother- Everybody there was fucking awesome. Scott Stein, I want to give him a shout-out because he was my roommate and what a great roommate he was, man. And my friend Jason Reith, uh so glad he got to come down, man. That guy, I've been friends with him since junior high. Right on. Cool dude. Because, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, like I said, I absolutely love Jason to death. I've known Reeves for fucking, well, since I said seventh fucking grade, man. That's a long-ass time because we're old fuckers now.
2: Well, you know, uh. you know, uh, Mike, <laughs> mentioned, Ma- Mike mentioned earlier we're older than, we're, we're old as fuck. But, you know, I'd like to tell you both you whippersnappers something. I was there. When they introduced <laughs> when they introduced Dirt. How was that? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well I didn't
3: meet you, Doctor Fuck, because you are immortal as far yeah, as I yeah. I'm I'm way older than older than fuck. <laughs> but um but
2: he knew, as, he knew at, McMars when he was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I babysitted him. <laughs> oh, damn
1: dude. Well Mike, how did you uh discover this album and uh you know oh.
3: Angel in general? Well, basically, by the time this album came out, I had already been pretty much immersed into the thrash metal movement. I got introduced to Metallica in like late '83, and I was kind of apprehensive of it because a buddy of my older brother's named Dave Grindstaff brought a copy of Kill 'Em All and Show No Mercy, and at that point, I was more of a traditional metal, you know? So it was like, whoa, what's this new sound I have to take in? But then I heard P. Salesman, Who's buying, And that was it, man. I was like all about the thrash metal because I was kind of getting disillusioned with some of the traditional metal artists that I love. And, and also even, the I like the first generation of glam metal, but you know, by that point in time, Motley Crue's already done Theater of Pain and I didn't really care for that. and. You know, I still liked Rat and and everything, but then Twisted Sister put out, come out and play, and, you know, you you had Judas Priest with Turbo, and I don't know, man. It just wasn't, I mean, I don't know. It just wasn't the same to me, you know what I mean? I'm starting to go, wow, man, what's going on with metal? And then all of a sudden, I get into thrash. And my brother, I remember when he brought this album home, man, and it blew me the fuck away, I mean... I love Death Angel. I love the way they structure their songs. You, mean, you got riffs within riffs and almost progressive metal in some cases. And yeah, that it, this album just blew me away. I don't want to give anybody anything away with the review, but there's a reason why I fucking picked this record. You know what I'm saying? So,
2: I'm, I'm much older than Mike, so it's, it's refreshing to hear Mike said what he said, because most people not my age don't really uh, understand. How it was back then, but Mike seems to have it down, you know, you know, with the, the, you know, tear and pain, you know, it's like, you know, we were all into traditional metal back in the day, and then this new thing thrash came, and it came at a perfect time because all the, all the, the classic fucking killer bands uh, changed their sound, right, and then we had this thrash thing come out that kept the integrity of the old school shit with the. New Wave of British Heavy Metal that all of us love from, you know, Power Slave Down, Defenders of the Faith Down, and uh, then this came and, you know, pretty much took its place while those bands waned, and uh, this one, like, took took up for us, and the way I discovered Death Angel was pure word of mouth. This was, this when this album came out, that's all I heard from magazines, well, the magazines I would read. You wouldn't read this on Hip Parader or Circus. <laughs> Wow. But, you know, I, um, I would hear about this young band from San Francisco, but you couldn't see it anywhere. The MTV didn't show the video for Voracious Souls. And, you know, there was no way of hearing this. Uh, until, you know, I kept hearing about it. And then this guy I knew uh, had the vinyl. And I actually, you know, went to his house just to hear this. Because I was like, I want to, you know, because I even heard like, oh, uh, Kurt Hammett uh, produced their demos the kill is right demo and i was like wow you know this must be really good so i went to his house and listened to it and yes the first time i heard it the first thing i thought was wow these people these kids these young kids are are obviously thrashing but they are putting a little spin on it that i haven't heard because thrash was very still young at the time and you know and all the bands were like you know pretty much sound like each other except for like I say the exception of Megadeth, but you know, your Testaments and you know, even your Overkills and all that stuff, they were kind of like, even Anthrax, all of them had sounds that sounded like, it it didn't really stray as far as, you know, they didn't stretch the the boundaries of Thrash. So they took Thrash and they uh, expanded it and it's really wild to think little kids are doing this. They're, They're more inventive than, you know, the other bands, the other Bay Area bands. At the moment, you know, and uh, and I really dug it because it was a new spin, and uh, and they did some unorthodox shit, which is kind of like infused with like. It makes me wonder were these guys fucking Voivod f- fans, you know? Uh, I, I know it's that, an interesting point. I know I know they were def- definitely Megadeth fans, and and you can hear it a lot. Oh, yeah. in one song, uh, but um, yeah, I just love the way um. And there's certain things about this album that, man, it's like unheard of for debut albums. And I'll get into that too, which uh, is pretty mind blowing. And and it's very, I consider this like probably the most original, you know, uh, debut thrash album from the Bay Area. Uh, Well, you know, coming, and then there's another band that came along that was just as original. But anyway, I I, I
3: know who you're thinking of or talking about. Yeah,
2: it rhymes with violence,
3: <laughs> right?
2: And but uh, I I agree 100 yeah, percent with that. Yeah, th- that's another band that you know pretty much changed the game. But Death Angel, Ultraviolence, and the Eternal Nightmare, you know, it went over so many people's heads because you know people can't deal with change. And but this album is fucking phenomenal, and I cranked it this morning. I didn't I I, I took no notes for this album. I don't have to. The shit's in my DNA. So, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I got to say for the intro to this. Uh, What do you think, Ian?
1: Well, I first heard these guys when I saw the video for "Bored," And I love that fucking song. Me too. But, But for whatever reason, I just never picked it up. But it would be something I would go to the record store and I would look at it. But during this time in the late 80s, you know, I had my stupid thing against you know, they're not on a major label, so it might not be that good, you know, because of, you know, what I went through, like, King Diamond and shit, not liking that the first time, and, you know, you didn't read about them in other magazines, but I really liked Bored, but I would pick up Frog Through the Park, I'm like, man, I really like that Bored song, and look, they do Cold Gin, but then I would grab this one, I was more gravitated towards this because of the cover. I love the fucking, I, I mean, the 80s, man, was all that post-apocalyptic shit, man, you know? Because back then we didn't have a strong president that stood up to Russia, you know. We had Ronald Reagan, you know, so we were scared of nuclear war and all these nuclear war post-apocalyptic movies. It was so of the 80s.
3: I love right. it. What
2: a uh, dumbass thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, hey. We, we ended the Cold War because of that motherfucker, you idiot. We didn't do shit until Trump yes, got, we got in we office. Did. That's Russia, Russia <laughs> is That's scared of President
1: Trump. He, he's a tough guy. Ronald
2: Reagan was the greatest American president. Period. Fuck you.
1: Oh god, it's going from crazy to crazier. Well, fuck. <laughs>
3: <that>. <laughs> it's the truth.
1: But uh, uh no, I, uh, I always loved the cover. I, I really did. But like I said, for whatever reason, uh, I never got into him. But I, I had a friend who was who talked about him, and it was always one of those bucket list bands I put aside, like, th- I need to, you know, give these guys some time. And, you know, I ended up through Mr. X, I got all their stuff, but it's still one of those, ah, one of these days I'm gonna have a Death Angel Day, you know, and it took, you know, you, Metal Mike, donating for the expo, uh, t- to make me do it, and I'm so glad you did. Holy shit, right spoiler on, alert. Spoiler Dude. alert, but, and then just doing... You know getting into the history of the band, some stuff I knew, some stuff I you know, like I knew about the bush crash, crash that really uh, derailed them. You know, they were supposed to be the opening act on the thrash of titans tour, which would have gave right exposure. You know, and they they just got signed to Geffen, so like it's like all the stars were aligning and then it all went to shit yeah, but then, like I didn't realize till later how young these guys were, you know, like the you know. The drummer was 14 when they did this, which, you know, I'm just there doing the math in my head, which means when this band started, he was fucking 10.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Metal Mike, why don't you take track one, Thrasher?
3: Oh, man. Uh, Thrasher's, of course, written by uh, Rob Kavanstani. Is that how you pronounce his name? I never could get these guys' names right. And Dennis Peppa. Man, I, this fucking song starts right off with a fucking face melting, rip roaring, blazing riff. That then has the kick-ass rhythm section kick in. It just lets you right now know it lets you know right away that these young men, and I mean stress young, were not fucking around. Blistering guitar soloing and a fumbling rhythm section throughout the entire track. And I love how at the 332 mark, they take it up even another notch. And then at 550. Just when you think the song is over, they take a page from Motorhead's Overkill and go back to the opening riff, and then back to the killer chugging riff. It's just 7 minutes and 12 seconds of pure thrash awesomeness. Amazingly epic opening track. Tied for my favorite track of the album. I mean, right off the bat, they just fucking kick you right in the fucking balls. Fucking love this song. What do you guys think, man?
2: Yowzers. Yeah, fucking Thrasher Rules, dude. Awesome opener. Uh, that opening riff totally sounds like something off Killing Is My Business. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, you know, I know this album came out a year or two after Killing My Business, but I, I think this song was written, like, around that time. So. It had to have been, dude. Well, Well, this,
1: this whole thing was recorded almost a year before it was released, too. Yes, uh,
2: yes. And and you have to figure, you know, it's not like they went in the studio and wrote these songs. Right. They were around like a good year before it was recorded. So right. it, it may be maybe it is coincidental, but god damn, it's like fucking hey, you guys like, you know I mean they kind of saw the future. And uh you know, and they did say Dave was a huge influence. So, you know, this may have been a lift from it. You know, and and, and for a debut album, this is what's really one of the most unique things for a debut album. You're going to debut your album with the first song sung by the guitar player, not by Mark, you know, which is weird, you know, you figure, you know, the lead singer is going to kick off the first album track, right? You know, but no. And Rob is an amazing singer. I mean, you guys ever heard organization? I was going to ask, I was going to ask you
1: about that later, if if you had listened to them, because that I haven't heard at all.
2: Yeah, well, they're they're amazing as well. I'll get into that later. But, um. Uh, yeah I, I, <clears throat> And I, I think you know, I could be wrong, but I think maybe mark uh, if he did the lead vocals I don't think it would be as effective But maybe it would because mark is amazing, but so is Rob and the band is just killing it on this track it, it's it's a thrash classic. It's printed like these primitive lyrics of thrashing and killing posers You know something that you all know is something near and dear to my heart. You know, and uh, I, I absolutely love it. You know, and you know you do you do read the lyrics to the song, and it it, it does sound like teenagers wrote it, but that's the right. appeal. To me, that's the appeal. I fuck fuck your little Bob Dylan bullshit. I like shit that's like from the heart, not not like oh let me second guess because I want to be on Rolling Stone magazine. Now let's write a song about killing posers. Fuck I him. know
3: dude and my favorite is like when he goes fighting fall off the stage screaming with the rage thrashing lose control smashing I like drugs madness all around falling to the ground dying for your breath living to your death wait wait I mean, wait 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 dude, that's fucking rules they man. said I like
2: drugs I don't remember that part really <laughs> yeah that's, that's awesome that makes it even better I like yeah. drugs <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome dude that's, yeah, I know I right that part
0: yeah, I, do, I know. I still
2: remember the poser line. You know, the poser's you in the back, and then now we're ready for Yeah. A, for some shit like yeah. that. That shit yeah, so fucking cool, you know? I yeah, love it's that. a I'd...
3: poser, strike us in the back. I can't take their bullshit. Turn around and attack. <laughs> yeah,
2: fuck yeah. Right there, dude. It's like, dude. That's like a three-year-old lyric, but a fucking cool ass. three-year-old. give a fuck, man. That's it's a three-year-old. That's brilliant three-year-old. That's a three-year-old that snorts coke off a fucking stripper's ass right there. <laughs> fuck yeah. I love it. What do you think, Ian?
1: Uh, oh, hell yeah. That just gave me an idea, you know, for the show, because I'm just going to be like, I like drugs. Now it's time for the plugs. Here we go. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
2: I like
1: that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man your thrash. This one had me right off the bat, and I was really impressed, you know, like, listening to this, knowing it's the debut, and, and then knowing how young they are, like, god damn, they sound so fucking accomplished, but, now I guess it really shouldn't surprise me, because we just saw a band, Black Heron, who is fucking amazing, Yep. and I don't even know if any of them are 21 yet. They're, you know, they're right about the same age, you know, of course the drummer's a little bit older, but, well, that then the drummer wasn't in Death Angel, but you know what I mean, it's like, sometimes you just got it, you know, you don't, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you just got it in your blood, you've got it in your blood, and these guys do, and holy shit, and I just thought it sounded so good, Uh and the funny thing is, this album and the next album are produced by Davey Bane, who produced right. a lot of shit in the Bay Area, and he went on to start his own cock rock band called Vane. And I think their debut, I think, is like a, a cock rock masterpiece. I mean, I really think it's you talk about a, a hidden gem from that era. And it's one of those ones that you know I never checked out till years later, and I listened to it. I was like, oh my god, why did you know- I never hear this one before? Because it's really, I mean, I mean, you gotta like that style of music, but for that style. It was really good and really catchy, and, and knowing that, you know, here's some, like, awesome, primitive, yet technically awesome fucking thrash produced by a guy who cock rocks in his heart, but he knew what to do on the boards, man, because it's raw, but it, it, what I, I, I love this, it's just pure fucking Bay Area thrash, you know, there's, there's no way around it, I mean, it, this is Bay Area thrash. At its finest. I mean, I mean, just kicks in right from the start. And, you know, Ralph, you know, hit it on the head. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, ooh, listen to Dave Mustaine much? You know, but of right. course, you know, your first album, you're going to show your influences, you know, <laughs> and, and, and who shaped you. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's not like an outright ripoff, but you can tell what's influencing. And I think it's cool that Death Angel opened up one of the four shows that Megadeth did with Carrie King. So that in itself is fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, man, just what a way to open it up. And, and, a, and a long track, too, like over seven minutes. But what I like is, you know, there's a couple long ones on here. You never get bored. You never feel like it's long, like it's, some, you know, Dream Theater wankery. You know, like, okay, okay, we get it. Yeah, get off stage. No, the, the whole song, you're, like, captivated. And it just fucking thrashed to the core, man. I really, really dug it. Great way to start off the album. And I'll take the next one. Evil Priest. Which is kind of redundant. Couldn't you just call it Priest? Because all priests are fucking evil. (laughs) Fucking little kid fuckers. I mean, what kind of grown man wears a dress? (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, never mind. Uh. Crushing, man. Crushing. Uh. And I hear a little bit of a different influence on this one, and it's a band that they also opened for, is Merciful Fate. I hear some Merciful Fate in this song. Uh, You know, of course not vocally, but musically. This one, I, I hear a little bit more that crossover with traditional metal, and they did start out as a traditional metal band before Mark was the singer. You know, of course, Thrash wasn't around yet, so they were more, they were like heavier traditional metal then Mark joined, and then they start going on the thrash trail. But this one is a real cool mix of the two genres. I mean, there's definitely thrash elements, you know, and, and you know, merciful fate was borderline thrash. Uh, but man, I really dig this one, and what a one-two punch to start off this album.
3: What do you think of Evil Priest, Mark and Mike? Mike? Um, <laughs> uh, man, another. Bo- Go ahead. Oh, freaking right, right.
2: <laughs> all right.
3: Oh, my God, yes. Anyway, another bludgeoning track. Um, and I love Mark Segwa's vocals on this track. I mean, what I love about him is he could do really aggressive and melodic vocals all at once, and I love singers like that. And also the little bass solo that Dennis Peppa does that starts at 144 and then goes into a fucking killer chugging riff that just gets faster and faster, and then they totally thrash it the fuck out and some sweet soloing provided by uh, uh, Rob, I mean, and the drumming by Andy. Again, we cannot overstate, he's 14 fucking years old when they recorded this. I mean, it's mind blowing, you know. Great track, and I definitely feel you on the Merciful Fate thing, Ian. Um, I could hear a bit of it too, you know. Uh, As far as uh, Dave Mustaine in the first song being influential, let's be honest, I mean, the guy might be batshit crazy, but he's totally influential when it comes to thrash metal. Yeah,
1: he's era. the greatest. He's the greatest thrash metal guitar player. There, yeah. There's no uh, bones about that.
3: The, yeah, easily of the big four as you well. Here, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Ralph, <laughs> my friend, my mentor. What do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah that, what you mentioned that that breakdown where the bass comes in. And that bass is like distorted and ugly. And then it goes into that chug and total thrash riff. You know, listening to that subliminally, that shit influenced me too. Because if you listen to the song we wrote, and, and which is also kind of a religious song, Mosh Put Messiah has that little breakdown where <laughs> it starts with the little bass, and then it goes into... It's the same exact... Uh, you know, not, it doesn't sound the same, but I'm saying it's the same exact thing. In the middle of the song, we go into this little bass riff going that where the, the thrash riffs follow it, and uh, fucking great, yeah. And I, yeah, I love this whole thing. You know, the funny thing is when Death Angel toured with Testament, I mean Anthrax and Testament, they opened the show. This was the only song they played that night off of uh, Ultraviolet, Which I really, found, yeah, which I found very strange because. You know, there's a couple tracks we'll talk about that's kind of like the, you know, you know, when you talk about this album, there's a couple tracks that stick out. This ain't right. one of them. The, the, I mean, this whole album's great, spoiler alert, but, you know, they did play this one, and I was like, whoa, Evil Priest, cool. And then I was expecting to hear, you know, something else from the album and didn't happen. But when I opened for them the first time, I opened for them twice. When I opened for them the first time, they played the whole album that night. And and that night I was on the tour bus and I interviewed Mark, and it's on YouTube. We filmed it and everything. And yeah, he went into great detail how fucking Cliff Burton was a huge fan of uh, Death Angel. But uh, yeah, and uh, again, you know the the riffs is different. It's different, you know, than the structures of the same of all the other killer thrash bands out there. These guys just added this weird element to it, and you hear it in the song as well as every other song. The band is so tight, and uh, the lyrics are about a priest that likes to feast, feast on virgins, like actually eat them. And no, no, Ian, believe it or not, they're talking about uh, female virgins. So you know this shit's total fantasy shit. <laughs> so I uh, love it. I love Evil Priest. I'll get into the next one. Voracious Souls, a song that I never knew there was a video for till I bought a videotape uh, at a store called Metal Masters where it had on the cover, Death Angel, Lizzie Borden, Hurricane, Fates Warning, all this shit. But it didn't say the songs. It just showed, you know, videos. I was like, okay, cool. This this has board on it. Because I bought it way back then when Frolic was out. When I put it on, I saw Voracious Souls. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They made a video for this song. And that video rules. You know, it's them playing live. But it, them also, like, hanging out in San Fran, playing, uh, skateboarding and doing all, all that crazy shit. Pummeling song. Intense tune about satanic rituals. The riffage is pure thrash gold Pretty straightforward with that fucking riff that just flat-out rules and those changes in the middle with that you know that middle scream, you know, it's fucking uh, Originality these kids did bring a fresh approach to this new form of metal, you know as uh, It was hailed with total respect by us thrashers back in 86 87 uh, everybody was talking about Death Angel at the time. That you know, the the people that were in the know of Thrash, like the you know the you know I'm talking about you know people that you know. Funny thing, you think about you know the early years of Thrash. It wasn't like we were only into Thrash. We liked the no. speed shit, like Halloween. Walls of Jericho was like speed metal, you know, and, and you know and your Venom's and stuff like that. Merciful Fate. We weren't like so restricted to Thrash. work. today. Believe me, I know, cause I'm in a thrash band. There's kids that like nothing but thrash. Halloween, fuck you. You know, it's like you know, it's got to be thrash. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Wow. Halloween, sucka weed. That's not thrash <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well, Ian, what do you think of *Voracious old
1: Okay. Well, well, first of all, uh, before we go any further, I got to do a couple uh, corrections here. Uh. Gus and Dennis's last name is not pronounced Peppa; it's pronounced Peepah. Oh, ah, okay. And uh, Mosh Pit Messiah is not a religious song. It's about the King of the Pit, Ralph. Well, I just found that out on uh, Wikipedia.
2: I gotta read those lyrics again. I think you're wrong. <laughs>
1: no. Uh, well, uh, let, let's see here. Uh, Terence Reardon wrote the wrote the page, and he said it's about the King of the Pit.
2: Oh, well, fuck. I stand corrected.
1: (laughs) All right, Voracious Souls. So
2: so the king of the pit, his name was Jesus.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, I got it. Uh, Voracious Souls. Holy shit. Uh, What a perfect song to do a video for, though, because I think while it it still retains, like, the thrashness, it has that catchy chorus that I think Mm -hmm. if it would have been aired...
2: This really could have propelled this album. Oh, believe me. If MTV showed this video on Headbangers Ball at this time, believe me, people would have fucking shit. Like the Thrashers would have heard this because I was lucky. Look, Thrash, I I can't speak for every other county, but Thrash was very huge in Florida because all these bands we're talking about all played Florida. And I know they didn't play every state in the United States. If this shit would have been aired on MTV, believe me, Death Angel would have been booked on all 50 states. Thank you.
1: Yeah. No, I, I believe that because it is. It, it's got the thrash. There's nothing sellout about it, but it does have a catchy chorus that I think would have lured people who weren't yet into thrash or maybe were on the fence uh, a perfect single. And it turns out that there was nothing wrong with the video itself. It's just because of the lyrics. MTV didn't air it, which is total fucking horseshit. Uh, but in another way, it doesn't surprise me. But usually back then, when videos got banned, it was more about the, the content of the video than the lyrics. It's just uh, more
2: proof that MTV sucked even back then because they yep. were... What, what was this, Enigma Records? Or was that the yeah,
1: en- Enigma.
2: All right, Alter was released on Enigma. Oh, they're on Enigma, we won't play it. But we'll play this pussy-ass band called Poison that's on Enigma. You know, we'll we we'll, we'll play this down the throat, but we won't play this day. him fuck, fuck even the glory days of MTV. Get kiss my big black ass. MTV died in 1984. Thank
1: you. All right. Uh, well, I, I agree, but uh, I think this is a great song, man. Heavy and catchy, and uh, just a damn shame. And this is one, uh, man. If I ever get a chance to see these guys fucking live, and I hope I do. Uh, I hope to hear this in the set list. I'd probably say this could be my second favorite on the album. I, I really dig this one. What yeah, do you think, I mean, Mike?
2: I, I'd probably say the same thing. probably is my second
3: favorite. I think what? it's fucking amazing. I love this song. I mean, and I'm pretty much going to echo what you guys have already said. I just love how it starts with a killer drum intro, and then it goes into that killer, like, chuggy fucking riff that you can totally groove to, you know? And I love the chorus. I mean... This track is a perfect example of Death Angel's innovative style inventive style, and just the speedy complex arrangements and everything that they do, and it's as catchy as all fuck, and yet still thrash-tastic, and I absolutely love Rob's soloing that starts at 3.33, aided by Gus Pippa's uh, crunchy rhythm guitar work and the brutal rhythm section of Dennis Pipa and Andy And then I love Mark's vocals on this track. Three for fucking three, man. And this is tied for my... uh, Probably my second favorite track. Yeah, I love this song.
2: Well, Mike, why don't you take the next one, Kill Is One.
3: Kill Is One. All right. Uh, Written by Rob. Just a fucking killer opening riff, courtesy, of course, of Rob and Gus, that goes into another amazing riff. And I, I love the... The chorus on this one, kill as one. I love Mark's vocals on this one as well as it just shows off his versatility once again, which I've said before. Um, I love how it's about poser dickheads getting fucking massacred in a pit by a bunch of fucking thrashers. It's just a another exhibit of how Death Angel has riffs within riffs within riffs. I absolutely fucking love this track. It is tied with um, thrashers is my favorite track.
2: Right. What'd you
1: guys yeah. Think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I fucking love this. This, uh, pure, pure, again, pure Bay Area thrash. This one, uh, not only musically, but lyrically, I hear some Exodus in this one. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, killer. Killer. Just like, ugh. Uh, again, it, it can't be understated. I mean, look at how young these guys were and could do something this accomplished. And uh, I could kind of see like, you know, when you say they own Testament, and I love Testament, but some of this shit just almost like out thrashes Testament. You know, especially I mean, anything after The Legacy. I mean, this is just, and, and Death Angel would change as well and experiment a little bit more in other oh, albums. yeah, oh yeah. This is, you know, even from what I heard, this is definitely their thrashiest album. Oh yeah. But man, I would put this. I don't. I don't this this might even take Legacy by a cut hair. Oh, and, and, I, I and, and 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 I love Legacy, but you know, to me that's the the thrashiest Testament album. Uh, you know, but there's just something so right on about this shit. You know that. that I, yeah, I'm just in awe of. And uh and I love that I got I got everything on this right away. And maybe it's because of my, my age now and how I'm into heavier shit now than when this came out. But n- none of this stuff like ah, that maybe that's gonna be a grower. No, all this shit has hit me like right instantly, like, oh shit. Why wasn't I listening to this fucking thirty years ago? This is fucking amazing. I, I love killers one, man. Fucking killer. What do you think, Ralph?
2: Yeah, the name of their first demo produced by Kurt Hammond. Yes. Uh, and yeah, like you brought up Testament. Unlike Testament, these guys took the influence Metallica brought and gave it this new spin, the unorthodox vocal melodies, you know, the pummeling drum and riffage and, uh, you know, and fucking uh, Gus pp on the bass, man, kicking ass. And, uh, you know, it's just got these amazing intense changes with that crunch Metallica, you know, invented, you know, they added high octane to that crunch and, uh, and you know, there's like Mike said, it's it's not only a song about killing posers, but it's also a song about killing jocks. Uh, Yes. another, Another, another great, great, uh, great subject matter, uh, killing jocks. You know, we all had to deal with jocks and, you know, like, you know, you've seen that movie Revenge of the Nerds. It, it wasn't really that different in real life, you know. Nerd <laughs> jock sucks, you know. And uh, they were so trendy, and you know, I'll never forget like a jock telling me in high school, I was wearing a Van Halen shirt. He goes, "You know, Bruce Springsteen's a better guitar player than Eddie Van Halen." And I looked <laughs> at him, and I looked at him, and I said, "Dude, are you are you trying to tell me that Bruce Springsteen's actually plugged in to that guitar? Because I I didn't even know that guy. I thought it was just a prop." <laughs> And the screams—I mean, something we haven't even talked about yet, like the screams Mark does. Oh, I oh know. What? I mean, uh, I mean, it sounds like you know, fucking like some really, like a fucking serial killer bitch on PMS. It's fucking oh. amazing. I love that. I love the screams this guy does, and I love how, you know, it, to me this is thrash from the heart. You know, it's not like okay, let's play it safe and you know. Let's just do melodic shit, and you know, with the with the bridge and the chords, and the, no, no, they they're very unorthodox, and this song uh, really shows it. Not even as much as some coming up, uh, but uh, it it, is, it does do these crazy fucking changes that are out there, and it, it sounds like, dude, something that a seasoned band would come up with, not a bunch of fucking teenagers. So yeah, absolutely love kills one, awesome. Next track, the the title track. Uh, the ultraviolence. Again, like what I was saying about track one, you know. Fucking weird to have, like, the guitar player do the, do the fucking vocals. Then you have the title track, which is an instrumental that's, like, nearly 10 minutes long. And there is not a second of this 10-minute uh, in, instrumental that loses me. I, I am with it from beginning to end. That amazing... Opening riff it, to me, it sounds like something that should be in the fucking Thrash Hall of Fame. Just that riff around that, and then the band coming in. Uh, obviously, a song about the movie uh, Clockwork Orange. And uh, if you go on YouTube, you'll see an amazing video of this song with nothing but footage from Clockwork Orange made by uh, the amazing guy, me. And, uh, yeah, the ultraviolence is fucking awesome. I absolutely love this song. I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's a great, it's a great addition to, uh, to this album and a debut album. I mean, what fucking debut album has a nine minute instrumental? You know, it's, you think about it. I mean, I can only think of maybe Transylvania, which is not even a long song being like, what other instrumental is there on a debut album? An eruption, of course. But I, uh, excuse
1: me. Uh... Uh, What's uh, the one on Kiss
2: oh yeah oh my god how can I forget that
1: oh my god Kiss yeah
2: the worst song on on that album which actually that song is really good if you listen to the original version which was Acrobat which is a killer song and then they just what they did was they they edited out all the killer parts of that song and just put like the lame ass beginning of Acrobat that's one of my favorite songs on the album well that proves my point so, go. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love Ultraviolence. the fucking rules, right, Ian?
1: Oh, my God, do I love this. And when I was uh, <laughs> listening to this for the first time, you know, I was jamming that big speaker you saw. I'm walking around the house doing shit. And I was like, oh, these fucking riffs. I can't wait till, you know, the vocals kick in. I didn't know it was an instrumental yet. and But I was like, oh, man, it's really captivating. Wait till it kicks in. And then I finally figure out. I'm like, holy shit, this is an instrumental. And it just kept going and going and going. But never once uh, did it bore me. I was always like, ooh, where are they going to go next? And God damn I love this song. Not a wasted second. And, and again, I can't stress that these are teenagers that, that can play to this ability, that have the foresight to do a song like this and the balls to fucking make it an instrumental. I mean... That's, it's just fucking incredible. Uh, dream Theater eat a fucking dick. You get can, you can't do a shit. Like, you can't do shit like this. It's so boring. Like, oh my god! It starts out, yo, there, there's a good rip, There's some good drums, and then Jordan Ruin this. Comes in and plays some fucking uh, wonderful world of Disney shit, and you just want to flip to the next track. You know, not on this fucking song. Oh my god, uh. the, the fucking cojones on these kids, man! To to do this not only on your debut but have it be the fucking title track and (laughs) and
2: and and fucking not even have pubes yet that's that's what really blows my mind about this album is that these are kids that are doing stuff that you know veteran bands can't even be as adventurous for the most part yeah i'll let you continue how to bring that part up
1: uh not much more i can say though just blown away and again a 14 year old is drumming on this shit keep that in mind when you listen to this shit and then look at your 14 year old that won't even cut the fucking grass
2: nah fuck that man <laughs> I left that bitch 15 years ago I mean you know right, right when she said hey I'm pregnant that 14 year old that guy, that guy's out there with tattoos on his face doing mumble rap <laughs> that's why I left I saw the future Mike, what do
3: you think of the uh, title track? Oh, fuck, man! I'm pretty much going to echo everything you guys just said. Fucking amazingly killer thrash instrumental, and one of, mo- in my opinion, probably the most underrated thrash metal instrumental of all time. I mean, I put it up there with Orion and Into the Lungs of Hell by Megadeth. I, and I and I, it's just another example and a showcase of. If somebody was to say, "Okay, what is Death Angel?" I would give them this instrumental. I would give them not the, the not just the album, but this instrumental because it's just a, another brilliant showcase of the fucking phenomenal musicianship of the entire band and the complexity of their songwriting. Like, because like you guys always said, it never gets boring, man. And I love how the track ends the way it begins. It was just so fucking cool. Ahead of its time, like you said, a fucking 10-something minute fucking instrumental. That shit was unheard of, man. I don't know if you guys realize this, but years later, Carl's Jr. or Hardy's, depending on yes, the area that yes. live in, yep, used true. a snippet of this song for their... Uh, Commercial had her see their jalapeno turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I, totally I just thought that about was. Like, that. Yeah. I remember watching the commercial, and I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking ultra violence, man. Yeah,
1: That's both- so awesome. Both this song and a jalapeno turkey burger will make you shit your pants. That's why
2: it's a a perfect match. That's why Carl Jr. had to shit his pants after he ate that. (laughs) And then the next day, he learned ultraviolence for the first time, and he (laughs) shit out a little more of that jalapeno Saying, hey, (laughs) light bulb went over his head.
3: (laughs) God, just a great instrumental, man. I mean, phenomenal. Fucking phenomenal. Makes my dick hard. I said it.
2: Well, Mike, why don't you flip this album over? Fucking right, man.
3: Oh, man. First track of Side Mistress of Pain. You know, I think these guys must have known about my ex fiance because I'll tell you what, <laughs> she, she gave me great headache. i am um, bum Great opening killer riff that just, again, man, I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but it just, it's just chugging, and then all of a sudden goes into fucking overdrive. I'm at the point where I do. I like I. I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it's that. But in, in this case, that's a fucking good thing. This track, fucking rules, and is tied with my favorite track on the album. I mean, yeah, I I absolutely love this. And and like I said, man, enter her layer, deepen her. Yeah, enter her layer, deepen her lair, The tension you feel is burning inside. You meet her at last. It happens so fast. The look in her eyes, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, that's that's my ex, man, to a T. Yep. Don't they say
2: in this song, uh, when we got along, we did drugs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it should have. Because that's the only time I could tolerate her is when I was high.
2: <laughs> Fuck yeah. What do you think, Ian? Oh,
3: no. oh,
1: man, I love this one. What a way to kick off the side, <laughs> two. And uh, funny thing, I'm, I'm doing research for this they played this at their high school during lunch. They did like a talent contest oh boy. and they, and they got up and played this and wow. they they dedicated it to their vice principal. <laughs> it must've been a chick, but I'm just sitting there picturing like these fucking kids, like probably like shooting chocolate milk out their fucking nose. Like, Oh my God, what is this? Oh, fuck. You, you know, and like, fucking kids like shitting their Taco Tuesday in their pants. <laughs> you know, hearing some metal like this. Could you imagine this band gets up, you know, talent show, you know, in the mid-80s and plays this. And then dedicates it to their vice principal. That is fucking awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> that
3: is fucking, that is awesome. That is so fucking awesome.
1: And they even probably had to postpone a European tour because they had Saturday detention. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know, it
1: fucking awesome, dude. A great, great fucking track. Again, like you're this deep in the album. I mean, I know this is only the fifth song, but still, not a bad track yet. There's not one track like, okay, here's where they lost. Everyone is fucking stellar. Great yeah. musicianship. Uh, yeah, you know, we've joked about the lyrics, but again, uh, they actually have an excuse, unlike most metal bands. For these lyrics, because they're still teenagers, you know, and it fits well within the metal. But the, the, the musicality of these motherfuckers is just mind blowing, light years. This is quality fucking metal. Love this track. What do you think, Ralph?
2: Yeah, but you know, look, here's my here's my um, here's my opinion on the lyrics. I mean, come on, we all love Porky's, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a stupid ass movie, but it rules. You know, it's like sometimes. You know, I mean, look. Uh, can, you know, can we please say
1: tallywacker? Yeah. He is so <laughs> personal.
2: <laughs> That's peepee. Ah, uh, oh, hey, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, there's a charm to it. There, you know, I look. Oh yeah. Music is an escape. You know. Yeah. I, yes, I do like intellectual crap at time. You know. It, you know, it all depends on this and that. But my heart is more. Into lyrics like this, you know, right? I, oh no, I, I like I, that I, innocence and uh, kill posers.
1: Oh no, I I agree with that, and I says, you know, that's why I think not only myself, but uh, you know, kids in general checked out on metal in the '90s, because when shit got so depressed, like teenagers are already fucking depressed. They got pimples. They're getting grounded. You know, they're not getting laid. All this other shit. They got enough problems. Back in the '80s. Whether it was shit like this or it was cock rock, it was still an escape. You know, it was still, like, some kind of fantasy element or some life you wanted to achieve. You know, it wasn't like, you know, all, all, you know, corn talking about daddy fucking in the ass. You know, these kids really getting fucking in the ass. They want to hear something different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. I I love it. I mean, you know, I make jokes about it. But, yeah, no, I love this kind of fantasy shit. And that's what I love, like, the cock rock I listen to. You know, that shit was like, that's what you wanted to aspire to do. You know, Friday night partying and getting laid and all that shit. But there were, there was also the cool fantasy element of fucking, you know, Dungeons & Dragons lyrics, you know. And, and all kinds of other shit. It was an escape from the norm. It's when they started singing about the norm you wanted to check out. You know, fuck that shit.
2: Hell yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and it's very welcome. And especially in the 80s before, you know the ages before the trolls were born that, you know, everybody has to be so, ah, oh, the, the lyrics are cheesy. This, I mean, I've heard that so much about Judas Priest, about, you know, Grinder. you know, oh, that's cheesy. It's like, you know, you know what's cheesy? Your fucking mother's pussy. Yeah, right, <laughs> fucking idiot. Fuck your cheesy bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's like nobody can enjoy music anymore with these fucking <laughs> idiots. Everything has to be sold, oh, it has to be like this, it has to be like that. How about it has to be like these nuts? Fuck you. You Speaking of of fucked up pussies, you ever seen Andrew Jacobs' wife's pussy?
1: Oh, my God. That looks like a roast beef sandwich that went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. Oh, my God. Black and blue wizard sleeves hanging down to her fucking cankles. Wizard oh sleeves. Oh, my God. Oh, wizard sleeves. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looked like, wizard sleeves. Man. No, I not no. I got to well, say.
3: I, I, wasn't she the original blue waffle, Ian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That, um, that's the, When you Google it, that's the picture. That's her. Yeah, fucking, well, I gotta fuck to say, Jacob. I, I gotta fucking Mongoloid-looking, fuck, fuck that guy, <laughs> fucking yeah. poster board for fucking birth control, fuck.
2: Well, we haven't missed, uh, we haven't mentioned the turtle in a while. So great, great, uh, that one was well worth waiting for. <laughs> wizard sleeves, <laughs> wizard sleeves. <laughs> it makes me, re- it, it reminds me of you know Ronnie James Dio during the Heaven and Hell era. That, that outfit <laughs> he had, he had those wizard yeah. sleeves going on. Yep. And yep. they were purple like her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Uh, All right. Well, I haven't talked about my all-time favorite Death Angel song yet, so obviously it's my favorite song off the album. Uh, that crushing opening, seek and destroy type riff that that starts the song, and then it goes into this full-speed metal attack, and that infectious, hooky yet original type verses and hooky chorus. And I don't know, man. To my memory. There has never been a crazier scream than what Mark does on this. You Uh know, when he goes face-to-face with Wow! It's like, fuck, I haven't heard a scream like that since Corpse Without a Soul from, you know, Miracle Fate. Wow! This song fucking rules my favorite, favorite hands-down Death Angel song. And yes, the first time I ever heard this album. This is the song that got me. I mean, the whole album got me, but this is the one that was like, whoa! That's my favorite track, and to this day, It still is. Mistress of Pain, my favorite Death Angel song, and obviously my favorite song. uh,
1: Fatal Final Death.
2: Huh?
1: You said Mistress of Pain.
2: We're talking about with Mistress of Pain. Yeah.
1: Oh, I thought you already talked about it. My bad, I thought you were talking about Final Death.
2: No, I'm talking about Mistress of Pain. Well, I'll talk about Final Death now. Oh man, nice way to end the album with a nuclear war song and a little twist to it after the nuclear war. Satan arrives. Good stuff. The whole album is a thrashing beatdown. This song is no exception. And the breakdown, how this song ends, just flat out skulls. Because the whole song is like, brrr, like, you know, the rest of the album. But then it goes into that doom, that kind of doomy type thing. And with that intense end, with the, that last scream. And then the it fades out to, the, to this pretty acoustic piece, almost like how Heaven and Hell ends the song. Uh, it's the only part of the fucking album where you can catch your breath, that little acoustic piece. And wow, it's like you know uh, a great ending. It's just uh, it, it, it's it's a song that's meant to end the album. For the, these kids knew what the fuck they were doing. So uh, yeah, I love Final Death as well as every other song on this fucking album. Though it's not the last song, but Ian, tell us what you think of Final Death. Uh, what do I
1: think about it? Shit, I think it's my favorite track on the fucking album. I love this shit, man. Just a little notch uh, above uh, Voracious Souls. I really, really dig this track, and this is one, if I'm seeing these guys live, and they're not playing Final Death. I'm like, what the fuck? Get back on stage and play Final Death. (laughs) Uh, Loved it. Loved it, man. And again, here we are. This is the seventh track. Not a bum fucking track above it. I mean, this is like, I've got a new, like, one of my favorite thrash albums. In fact, I just went and looked to see if I could buy this one on fucking vinyl.
2: Uh,
3: Mike. No, uh, Mike. yeah, yeah, oh, uh, Final Death. I, I told you there were certain tracks that tied for my number one. This is the third one, man. Hell yeah, I know brother. I'm being a pussy, probably just not picking one, but I can't help it. I love this record so much. Uh it's just a killer chugging riff that gets its hooks into you, and then it just goes into another amazing riff. It's another track that you can um, groove to as well. It's just another shining example of Mark's vocal versatility. I especially love the part in the lyrics where he goes, no escape, the end is near, too late, diet, fear, yeah. scared of the judgment day. And then he's like, final death is on its way.
2: Yeah, just the very, way he does that. Oh my God, it's dude. It's a very unique oh. scream when he does that. It's kind of weird. And then it fades out a little, then he comes up with that Mrs. of pain scream after that. Like, I know.
3: Ah.
1: fucking well, that amazing.
2: Is. That's it's cool. so fucking badass,
3: dude. And then I also love where you just think the track is, is going to, you know, um, it, it's like at 440, and just when you think it's it's they're done, and then uh, Dennis Pippa plays the, the killer bass line, it's almost like a Sabbath-type yeah, riff full of doom part. and gloom. And, yeah, right. And then it ends with Mark just screaming like a fucking madman motherfucker. I fucking adore this song, man. There's fucking album rules. You know, and the way it, it's not the way, even an opinion, it's fucking science, as you guys always say. It just, yeah. it fucking rules.
2: And, and, you know, oh. it just fades out, like, you know, the end of the world, and then it comes with that little pretty acoustic yeah. piece. That's gorgeous, man. That's and I love genius. the lyrics, too, man. Like, you know, I don't, cheesy.
3: Fuck you, man. Flash of light fills the midnight air. Scraps of metal flying here and there. Satan laughs as he watches them bleed. World of sin to the devil's feet. That fucking rules, man. Well, like, well, well there they didn't get cheesy. You know, yeah, that, that, that's, that that's pretty clever, you know? Right, that's Oscar Wilde wordplay right there. I don't give a fuck what anybody says,
2: man. That shit Bob Dylan wish he could have wrote. Exactly. Mm. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. All righty. Well, there's well, one more track. Yes, there is. Mike. I, all I, right.
3: Um, yeah, just a very cool acoustical intro that goes into an almost... In my opinion, funky bass line. Yeah, oh hell. It yeah. gets to chug in and it gets faster and faster, the kind of tune you could walk down the street like you're a total badass. Um, it's got some really odd vocal effects at the very end. I would call it filler, but God, as you always say, Wadzilla, it's killer filler. I love it too. And from what I understand, in two thousand three, Mark claims that IPFS stood for intense pukey puke feeling syndrome. But it's not really clear whether or not he meant that to be taken seriously. He could have been joking, but I—I I don't know. I just thought it was kind of something interesting. I always mention. thought
2: I always thought IPFS meant Andrew Jacobs is a racist.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck!
1: Uh, well, I'll—I'll I'll take it, man. Uh, I love it, man. I—I I thought it was really cool. You know, you come out of Final Death, which is so fucking thrash awesomeness. And then you go into this like beautiful acoustic piece, like, okay, where's this going? Because at this point, I am looking at how long the song is, so I can tell, you know, it's under two minutes, you know, what's going on here. But uh, it starts off, I'm like, damn, okay, that sounds good. And then you hear that fucking bass, Dennis, peepaw, pee-pee. kicks in. <laughs> kicks in. And yeah, it is funky as hell. And this kind of goes back to what I wanted to ask Ralph about earlier, uh, about the organization, because what I saw, like how they list the organization, they said they were kind of like funk metal and stuff. So no, not at all. Okay, there, is that that's a bad analogy for? Uh, it's, like,
2: a, it's it's a horrible analogy. I will say there there's funk elements here and there. It doesn't show up too much. Uh, right. It is kind of original sounding. It's far from thrash, except for nice.
1: So are, are those worth checking out, those
2: organization records? Yes, definitely. A lot of people seem to hate the second one. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I think the first one is pretty much a masterpiece. And what's unique is uh, both Rob and Andy, the drummer, are the singers on this album. Uh, they both. Oh, sing. Andy
1: sings too? I, didn't, yeah, and I, didn't, I knew Rob did. I didn't know Andy.
2: Andy's did. got a great voice. The song Free Burning, the first song, they duet on it. And it's heavy. It's great. There's a video for it. I uh, highly recommend uh, you check out the organization if you like. It's got that traditional feel, but it also has kind of a, uh, uh, again, like ultraviolence, it has this original flair to it. Uh, there is a couple little funky elements here and out on every song. And, uh, you know, even some like Wonder to me is kind of like, dude, that song would have been huge if it was a radio uh, staple in the 90s because it's catchy, it's beautifully uh, structured. And it's heavy, but it starts acoustically. And uh, there's a song called Br- Bringer. Uh, oh, my God. There's so many good songs on there. Swarm. Uh, the organiza- No, the organization was actually on Act 3. <laughs> but anyway, right. it, it's a great, great album. Uh, the second well, one uh, was different. It was a little more polished, a little more commercial. And it was very hated. I remember that album, like, they got really horrible reviews. And I would listen to it going, dude, I dig this album. I, I recommend both. Okay, so uh, I, I don't think... Uh, did uh, I didn't talk about the last track, did I?
1: No, you didn't yet.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, it is... Uh, you know, you figure Final Death would be the perfect ending for the album, and I still think it would be. Uh, you know, if, if any gripe I have on this, this probably should have been a little earlier uh, in the album, but, you know, I understand, you know, there's already a 10-minute instrumental... But it's so cool, though, that you know one last crunchy riff to close out this masterpiece, and then you know at the very end with all those silly noises, that's when you realize, oh look, they're immature teenagers. You know, it's like, look at all this genius shit. Then at the end, it's like, hey, listen to them talk. These these are fucking immature teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was that? You know? But uh, but still cool. You know, it's a good little addition. But yeah, I would have liked Final Death to end this. But, you know, what are you going to do? I, I have to be a, a stickler uh, for that thing. But I love it. I love the instrumental part. Uh, but I could do without the. But that's it. That's what I think of uh, the last track.
1: All right. Well, that's our review of Death Angels Ultraviolence. And uh, it was released April 23rd, 1987, but recorded in just two days in, in June of 1986.
2: That's mind blowing.
1: Yeah, two days they recorded this whole thing.
2: Jeez, you want to talk about a band prepared.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you know and, and people always joke around about how, you know, they talk about the sophomore slump. They're like, oh, the first record you had your whole life to fucking write, so it's better these motherfuckers' life barely started and they wrote this shit, you know? I <laughs>
3: know, man. That's
1: fucking incredible. And another thing that's worth noting uh, that I didn't bring up earlier is how unique and cool Mark's vocals are. Yeah. Uh, t- to me, he really didn't sound like anybody else, uh, and, and but had a great voice that, you know, uh, wasn't barking. You, you know, he could sing when he wants to. He could scream when he wants to. He could do... You know, just great traditional thrash, all around a great voice, and he was up for the role to replace Joey Belladonna in Anthrax. That is true. That's true. Be- be- before they went with John Bush, but Scott Ian said that he was too metal for them, which is like, wow. are, are you sir and, and, and to tell you the truth, I mean that was, I mean, I mean, I can't fathom it right now hearing him sing for anthrax but i know he could pull it off oh, yeah. you know but it, w- it would have been an interesting different take i mean i would have loved i would love if they'd recorded any like rehearsals with him I, d- I mean i don't know if it got to that point to where you know he played with the band or not but i would assume i mean they kind of what i read made it sound like you know if they wouldn't you know gone with john bush they would have gone with him and that's an interesting and great choice
2: i did hear back in the 80s uh anthrax praised death angel in a few interviews uh which i thought was kind of odd because that's a band that did not like to talk about thrash bands even like you know uh, now they do but back then i did there's there's a which is very odd uh it's on youtube i believe i was the one that put it up maybe not uh they were on the they, dr ruth had a show and they were on the show this is the joy belladonna era and you know one of the guys brought up you know Slayer or something and Charlie was kind of like Trying to brush it off Like yeah, yeah, yeah. like back then Anthrax was a different oh. Attitude
1: than they I, are I, now I, I, I saw that on YouTube You didn't put that up This is a dude phase linear
2: Oh yeah put that, that Yeah, right. uh, I like but, that guy Yeah cause you're a faggot Okay um, bye and, well, nah, to, to tell you the truth there's not a day That goes by that I don't use my hand on Phase linear True story <laughs> yeah! To, to 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 videos of chicks that fuck strangers. Oh. In Jacksonville. Well,
1: <laughs> well on that note, <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> what a great album, and I'm so glad that I have it coming. To, I can't wait to hear this shit on vinyl. And uh, I want to thank you so much, Mark, for picking this one. Mark? Uh, Mike, Mark, Mike, <laughs> God damn
2: it. You freaking
1: idiot. I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm thinking about his brother. His brother's going to get me a sandwich. That's why I'm thinking about it. His brother's <laughs> getting a, a gargantuan with cheese right now. Um, oh, shit. But, You're uh, welcome,
3: brother. You metal, are more than
1: metal, Yeah, Metal Mike, great fucking pick. And I remember when you put this in, and, and I, I, I sent it to Ralph. Ralph goes... Oh, my God, that is the greatest pick anybody's ever picked. And he misread it and thought you put uh, violence. <laughs> right. He told me that. And
2: he told me that in
3: Nashville. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But he said, well, hey,
1: don't get me wrong, dude. I love Violence, you know. Right, right. But, no, great pick, dude. And, again, you you kicked me in the boo-boo to make me listen to this. And that's what I hope this episode does to other people, man, uh, that makes you give this a chance. If it, you, it's you it been on your back burner, put that shit on the front burner Light that motherfucker and listen. You will not be disappointed. And I am
3: very anxious to uh, explore the other albums that they have. Oh, oh, I mean, because, yeah, dude, Death Angel, I think, are a phenomenal band. And, and I'm with Ralph. Like, don't get me wrong. I love me some Testament, but I think I like Death Angel better. You know, now, like,
1: now, 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 let me ask, let me ask both of you uh, other than this album. Uh, both Ralph and Mike, what would be your favorite Death Angel album after this?
2: Oh, ooh. man. You know, I would say ooh, probably Act 3. Uh, but, okay. man, I really love the last two. Uh, I act, Well, you know, you know what? I'll say the last one is my second favorite. And the one before, The Relentless and Act 3 are pretty much tied.
1: Well, there was another one before that, uh, The Dreams Call for Blood.
3: Which is also fucking phenomenal, I think.
2: Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, but but me to me, it's like Act Three is awesome, but it's not very thrashy. It has this thrashy element, right? Uh, but it's an awesome album. Uh, well, de- but the the last two, um, it's it's more pummeling. You know, it's really good shit.
3: Yeah, right. uh, Act Three probably for me, as far as the classic, like to me, the the first three albums, the the classic era of the band, so to speak. I would say it would, you know, it would be for me, ultra violence, then Act Three, then Frolic. Um, now, what's interesting about Act Three, though, like I said, that came out in 1990, and that album was getting a lot of buzz, yeah. and then it that's was, when they on, had that. It was on Geffen, right? It was their first major label release, and and they're they're torn, and of course, that's when they have the bus wreck, and it really fucked their drummer Andy up. Back yeah,
2: then. Like yeah, it sure.
3: literally it literally led to the demise of the band. It, it you know because yeah. then after you know and it's such a fucking shame now now Geffen wanted them to just grab another drummer and and go ahead and they said looking right. back now you can kind of see where Geffen was coming from but right. you know Death people have to remember Death Angel were a family most of these guys were brothers cousins well, they, 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 were, they were all related were, all Cousin.
2: of them are related
1: yeah. yes but you uh know. it's it's worth noting that uh well he's a Facebook friend of mine we we, we talk. I haven't got to meet him yet. I will meet him next time I go to a Raider game. But uh, uh, Chris Contos, who played for, uh, he played on the first Machine Head record. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he played uh, with them on drums in 91, like right before they just said, okay, you know what, we're done. Uh, he played with them for a while. So And a, and a great Raider fan, so I want to give him a, a shout-out. I was supposed to meet him the last time I went to Oakland, and I got too fucked up. And I said, hey, dude, I just want to meet you because I, I think, uh, you know, he's an incredible drummer. And I know Ralph doesn't like him. I know you love Machine Head, but his drumming on uh, Burn My Eyes is fucking incredible. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: I think so, too, man. I mean, great, uh, great fucking drummer and a cool dude, too, man. Cool. Both him and his wife, Gwen, are really cool people. Like I said, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I talk to him, but uh, I want to meet him and hang out face to face. Yeah but well, I, I mean the drummer for this band though is fucking Andy and that's another question I had to ask do you guys know why Andy and uh, and Dennis left I know when they got back together Gus doesn't live in the US anymore uh, and that's why he didn't take part in the reunion and they got you know a friend of the band uh, Ted Aguilera who you know was yeah. a friend all along and he's still with him to this day but I think it was like in 2009 uh, both Andy and Dennis left. Do you guys know why?
2: Uh, Uh, I don't don't know why. I I will tell you an interesting rumor and I don't know how true this rumor is but if it's true, it's fucking wild. Um, uh, Gus, the bass player...
1: Uh, got in. A, no, Gus is the guitar player. That's a guy who was, never was came the, back.
2: Was, well, Gus. It, De- it was Gus. De- it was, De- Dennis. No, Dennis. No, no, no. It player. was Gus. It was Gus. I heard the rumor about. Okay. Uh, dude, the guy got in trouble with the loss, and and it was so wild that actually he appeared on one of the episodes of Cops getting busted. I oh, don't know shit. what for. Well, maybe that's why he left the country, then. That, that that was the rumor I heard, that he was on an episode of Cops, that he got arrested for I don't know what, you know? So I don't know how r- true that rumor is, but I did hear about that. Yeah. But no, I don't know why. I know the drummer left because he just got sick of it. He just didn't want to deal with uh, the rigors of the road and shit like that, you know? Right. So that's right. Really, which is right. a shame because that guy is amazing. Oh, Even yeah. when he but, got older, he was still
1: amazing. But but in his defense, he's like fucking 25 now. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> he's a little old to be on the road. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That is our review of Death Angels the Ultraviolence. So now it's time to go to pick of the week and Metal Mike Tyler. Since you are our special guest, what is your pick of the week? Well, I got a
3: few, if that's okay. That is Um, fun. For one, I'm going to recommend highly the last three uh, Death Angel releases, man. Uh, I just think those albums produced by, um, I believe his name is um, Jason Sukoff, man. Relentless Retribution, released in uh, 2010. The Dream Calls for Blood. In 2013 and of course uh, um, the evil divide in 2016 great I mean one of the things that fucking just is dr. fuck always says grinds my gears is when I'll you know because I got a death angel hoodie and I'll wear it around sometimes in town and I'll have people compliment me on it and then they'll talk about man I didn't even know they were still doing it or and I'm just like guys their last three releases have been amazing go on YouTube or wherever the fuck, and check it out. Google Death Angel. You will find it. I mean, I think a lot of these thrash. Look at Overkill. Look at um, even Testament's last few releases. All of them, they're putting out... These old guard guys are putting out amazing, phenomenal... Thr- Jesus Christ, even Megadeth killed with fucking dystopia. You know what I'm oh trying yeah. to say? Oh, like, yeah. It's like, guys, man, fuck. Check out some of this amazing music that these guys... Who literally laid the blueprint for what a lot of your extreme metal is, even. Check it out. Exodus. The last few albums uh, they've done, I've really liked. Um, It just kind of fucking frustrates me, man. Well, well, a little... Something
1: I think these bands should take notice of, though. Uh, These older thrash bands that are pulling out quality music. If you would just call your new album Crazy, Crazy, Crazy Nights... (laughs) <laughs> you know, KISS fans would pay attention and buy it, and, you know, you'd do a little better.
2: Oh, my God, KISS. Oh, my That's God.
3: The other album I want to recommend, since we are doing a thrash album, is an album that my good friend Dr. Fuck turned me on to. Uh, it's on his label. Yeah. It's called Atomic. Fuck yeah, uh, the bro. The album's called The Fallout. And Hell yeah. Have you heard this, Ian? Uh, I
1: saw a video that uh, my good friend... Phase Linear put out. Uh, uh-huh. Phase Phase Linear turned me out of this. I, I didn't know. I've never heard Ralph even talk about this band, but Phase Linear put one out, and it was goddamn good.
3: Oh yeah. Uh, what's the name of your? How do you pronounce your uh, label, Ralph?
2: Empingal Records.
3: Empingal Records, man. The, I mean, dude, my nephew. When I, because the album came in while I was in Nashville, and Kane was doing his show. And he saw the cover, and he kind of was attracted. He pops the fucking CD in and burns it, not knowing that I already had a digital copy of it. And he fucking messaged me, oh my god, dude, this Atomic is fucking amazing. So he's been playing it on his Sunday show, the Crusaders of Metal show, which is is where he plays all kinds of metal. He absolutely adores this band. He's like, dude, you know, and it's so cute to hear him because, you know, he's still fairly young. So he's... I think they're gonna be the next big band. I fucking love them, man, they're gonna be huge. And I'm like, I hope somebody they deserve it. They are fucking phenomenal. If you're into thrash metal, check this fucking album out. 15 cuts of just face melting fucking thrash. And if you, uh, I think get a digital copy of the album, if you're lucky, you can also hear their amazing cover of Nicaragua. Uh, by the old uh, by yeah, right.
2: Get a get a hold of me and show me that you bought it and I will send you uh the it's not on the album. I'll send you that and yeah dude. Uh I remember I played Surf Nicaragua and Metal Mike wrote, God damn I love Sacred Right, this is great and I go yeah, that's not Sacred Right. You know, that's uh of doing is Sacred Right. You thought it was them, you know? I did but, at first at first. Yeah, yeah, I it was at work and they, I Yeah they nail yeah. it.
3: And, 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 and I didn't have my um, laptop turned up too high, so I, I just was like, oh, sir, Matthew, what? so then I type in, and then you were like, dude, that's Atomic. So then I turn it up, and I'm like, holy and, fuck.
2: And like Deaf Angel, all those songs you hear on there were written by them when they were teenagers. Uh, I think the oldest guy in the band, when those songs were written, was 17 years old. Uh, wow. Every, yeah, every, Ryan was 14. Uh, they were all little kids, and I've seen them perform all those songs back in the day. See, Atomic has newer material but they decided to just keep the original stuff they used to do back in the clubs only on this album this album there's not a bad track to be found and uh it's i'm not saying this because i'm selling it dude if i'm gonna put my money behind something i gotta fucking absolutely love it and i've loved these guys forever and they went to d-man d-man is to me a phenomenal producer did a phenomenal job what a great sounding CD, and the songs are just, I've, I've, I've known these songs for like over fucking five years now, or six, even longer, so I know these songs well, and just to hear them produced as they are now, it's so killer, man, that I know, I know in the future, this shit will be hailed as, dude, that's a great album, it will catch on, it's very unknown at the moment, I'm trying to get the word out there. The CD was well, just released, and uh, it will be everywhere on Amazon and everything. And then once uh, CD Baby has everything set up, I'm going to start promoting it really hardcore.
3: Well, and here's the thing. Like, I'm writing a review, because I don't know if you heard this, but I'm going to be the editor of the website portion of, of that metal station. Right on. And um, and uh, so... Scott's hired a bunch of writers and they're going to send them all kinds of music to review. But I said, well, that's good because I've got some reviews I'm either working on, some are done, that I'm going to post. You know, since you're going to give me control, I'm going to fucking post my shit up there, too, motherfuckers. And I'm going to, I'm writing a review for Atomic. I wrote a review for that album I turned you on to, or that band Blackfast from St. Louis.
2: Yeah, I like
3: Uh, them a lot. Oh, they're fucking awesome. And then, uh, of course, Black Hair on as well. So uh, I'm definitely going to push this uh i've been playing it but i'm gonna do everything i can to help those guys and
2: and send and send all the djs that that cd so they can play you know they can play it on their shows
3: oh well i've already had scott uploaded on the auto dj as well right on right on atomic and black hair on brother yeah killer man so uh anyway i want to thank you guys for having me on you know i know yeah i paid or whatever but fuck it, it was money well spent, in my opinion. Besides, I can make the claim that I'm one of the few people that didn't have to pay to be on this show originally, so and booyah, and, motherfuckers. And, and, and you'll
2: be on a future <laughs> show. You don't
3: have to pay either. Oh, well, awesome, brother. And I and I just want to thank you guys, because this is the way I look at it. There would be no DJ Metal Mike without the Rock uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I mean, you guys were my inspiration, and, of course, Scott Green was the guy who gave me the opportunity and you know, I want to give him an, a shout out too. I love you, Scott. You fucker. So. Well,
2: I gotta say that you know there wouldn't be no Rock and Metal Combat podcast without my YouTube stuff. But right. But you know, I was very. There wouldn't have been none of my YouTube stuff. Well, if it weren't for that fag Phase Linear. <laughs> I like you know,
3: that guy. <laughs> Here's the thing, Ralph. Like the the surreal thing for me is like. When we went to the Johnny Cash Museum on my last day of Nashville and you said, hey, bro, can I hang with you for my plane leaves? I'm like, I was truly honored to do that, by the way. And it well, was just because cool. you're do. in my car and I'm going, if somebody would have told me, you know, like all those years ago when I first saw your Thrasher die videos and your reviews that, like, hey, one of these days, dude, you're going to be fucking driving around Tennessee with this guy checking out the Johnny Cash Museum, I'd have been like, yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's I'm, just honored, I'm honored, I'm honored. Even though it would have been cooler if you had Face Linear in the car, but I'm honored.
3: <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, Faze is cool, dude. You know, he's pretty badass, but he ain't got nothing on Dr. Five.
2: I know. I know how to make him come with my hand.
3: I know you do. <laughs> yeah, <I> know.
2: <laughs> Ew. Oh. Whoa. Uh, Ian, I, Ian, I, Ian, you got to pick Ian? Yeah,
3: I
1: I do, man. And at first I was like, you know, I was going to pick a thrash record, you know, but I was like, fuck, this album's so good, like, you know, I'm afraid any thrash record I pick would would seem inferior. So I had to go, you know, across the spectrum. And actually, I do have two picks this week. Uh, But my first pick is something, you know, Total 180, a band that I love that is tattooed on my arm, and that is Blue Oyster Cult. And I'm going with 1977 Spectrus album, and it's
3: it,
1: it's it's a weird album. Uh, you know, they're trying to piggyback on the success of Agents of Fortune, and you know, of course, Don't Fear the Reaper and all that. So they have an album with a lot of different styles. It's it's one of those kitchen sink records uh, where there's a little something for everybody, and I think. You know, it's kind of a hard listen at first because it is all over the place. But in hindsight at all, it, it becomes cohesive and works. I mean, of course, uh, the biggest hit off there is Godzilla, which is, you know, probably there's uh, second or, or third biggest track, you know, after Don't Fear the Reaper and, uh, you know, Burning For You. Uh, great track. But there's also like beautiful stuff like I Love the Night, uh, Golden Age of Leather, Nosferatu, uh, going Through the Motions, uh, Death Valley Nights. I mean, just some incredible shit. I'm a huge BOC fan. Uh, man, I love them. If you like BOC, check it out. And if you don't get it the first listen, give it another one. Because not everything is like fucking ultraviolence, where at first you're like, ah, oh, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> so, some require more listens. But I have a second pick that is inspired by this. Um Because of how young this band is, it reminds me of a band that we all just saw that blew our fucking minds, and that's Black Heron. Uh, These are guys, you know, in their early 20s that are mind-blowing musicians playing real fucking metal. There's nothing pretentious or, you know, sellout about these guys. They're definitely taking the hard route because they can play what's trendy now or what's hip now. No, they're keeping with what's in their gut And they deliver on record. They deliver live. Oh my god, they were so good. Oh my god, Uh, you know. And uh, you know, Doctor Fuck got on stage with them and was amazing. I, you know, I'd rather face linear, but you know, you take what you get.
3: Yeah, they're they're a great band. That was fucking phenomenal, dude. And And, they were so tight and so good. Oh yeah. And another thing, I did want to throw out there, man. I'm so honored I got to meet you too, Godzilla. You know, like oh, yeah. so fucking cool to finally, you know, because I remember all those years ago when you were first starting the podcast and you said, I'm drunk. Somebody give me their number and I fucking message you and you call. Oh, yeah. And we talked for like an hour or so. And I was just like, oh, I had a great this time. guy's all fucking, you know, this guy. But that's one thing I loved about the show right off the bat. You guys reminded me of me and my buddies like Jason Reed, like my older brother. I was like, oh, my God, this is like just two dudes sitting around campfire talking metal, but they're on mics and just well, there's no campfire, but you know what I mean, drinking beer and... Yeah,
1: we're, we're uh, not was, assholes like Michael Butler or the fucking Hustle, you know? Oh,
3: fuck we're, Michael Butler, man. We're what a we're, pretentious
1: we're, dickhead. We're real people, but,
3: and, uh... And I said it, and you don't even have to edit that out. Michael Butler, you're a pretentious fucker. Oh, fuck that son of a bitch. Walking around with a fucking... He even looked like he had a stick up his ass. It's like, yeah, God, dude, fucking yeah, He look, looks like a fucking Muppet. Uh, I don't give a no. fuck if he was a podcasting pioneer or not. But, Just because uh, you're the first to do something doesn't mean you're the best at it. Fuck Yeah, most. exactly.
1: Uh, but Black Hair On Man, check these kids out. I play them on one of my two radio shows. Uh, of course, I play them on Wadzilla World. But what a lot of people don't know is I also DJ on that metal station. But <laughs> I'm kind of a troll because I, I I do a show so bad I try to ruin that metal station. I go by the name DJ Evil. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I play the worst shit ever and I'm very annoying.
2: I'm just kidding, Scott Green. I'm you, should, kidding. you should change your name to Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> my God, kiss. <laughs>
1: But uh, check out Black Heron and check out Blue Oyster Cult Spectrus. Those are my picks of the week. How about you, Ralph?
2: All right. Well, I'm going to pick something uh, extremely thrash. And uh, a little spoiler alert. It is not the album Mike Tyler. <laughs> the great That's DJ metal Mike Tyler. That's his uh, name. It's not Mark. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, a spoiler for Mark.
3: I'm Mike. <laughs> is, uh, next it's year, all good. He, Marks the cooler version of me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: See how it happens. happens. They fucking look alike. God damn it.
2: <laughs> next year, the Great Metal Mike is going to donate to the Rock and Expo Three for Violence: The Eternal Nightmare. Now, that's not my pick though, because I'm pretty sure I must have had that pick of the week already. You have. Uh, my pick is their second album, Oppressing the Masses. Oh,
3: great well, record.
2: Oh fuck yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I mean, Eternal Nightmare is hard to top, and I don't feel I don't feel like they did top it. Though it does it does have my favorite Violent song on it, World in a World. Um, unique like Death Angel. They are not you know like you know let's play it safe like Testament type shit. Uh, they're a little off. Oh. And, you know, they're a little, they're a little, um, definitely uh, not the norm because of the great Sean Killian. He's got a very unique voice. Either you get it or you don't. Like they said in the documentary, perfectly. There's people that hate his voice and there's people that worship it. I'm one of the latter, you know, and I yep. worship. I worship this guy's voice. I worship his delivery, and most importantly, I worship that sick fucking mind of his to come up with those. Fucked up lyrics. He's one. He's one of the most. De- it, it, he is the most demented thrash lyricist ever. You know, and live, dude. I, I was honored to see them three, four times live. Yeah, I incredible. never
3: saw violence.
2: He's insane on stage. I mean, he's a fucking psycho. I mean, the guy is. The guy to me is violence. You know, but the band itself was fucking. Ooh, so pummeling, so great, so underrated, in my opinion the greatest Bay Area thrash band, hands down. And, uh, and I think Oppressing the Masses was a great follow-up. And I, you know, just because I say, oh, I, I prefer Eternal Nightmare, there's nothing wrong with Oppressing the Masses. It is pummeling. They do take, you know, like, you know, um, a couple songs that are not as pummeling as, uh, but they're still heavy and chunky. Uh, songs and um, that is my pick of the week oppressing the masses from violence and Ian um, listen to eternal nightmare starting now like give it you know because it is a grower I don't know if you're gonna get Sean Killian but I yeah. say if, if you give it like six months of listening to it, at least once a month I, I I'm pretty sure you're gonna end up worshiping the guy and you'll be ready for the review because if you're gonna listen to that album a week before we do the review you may not get it you know, it's right, one well, of those albums that you might have to, you know, just li- live with it for a while. Well, I, I'll,
1: I'll definitely check it out. I've heard a couple tracks, uh, you know, because I, I know you're always talking about it. I'm like, eh, whatever. And then I saw, you know, this dude, Phase Linear, put out these videos. I'm like, all right, well, I'll give it a oh, chance. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
2: Phase Linear did Serial Killer and, uh, and Calling in the Corner. Great video. Yeah. Yeah. Say,
3: so, you know what? I respect that guy. Yeah. And- uh, That guy just, whatever, Ian. He's just on Rouse
0: Coattails.
1: Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he says the same thing about me, and look what a superstar I am. Um, But uh, I'll definitely check it out again. I mean, that was one thing I had a little bit of issue with was the vocals. But, you know, I I have to point out, I was the same way with King Diamond. Now I love King Diamond's vocals.
2: Yeah, Sean Killian is very much... Now like I love the, Bobby Blitz
1: vocal, so... Yeah, yeah, King Diamond, uh, is, Sean Killian
2: falls into that category. So
1: I, I I, think you brought up a great point about that, is like, you know, when we are prepared to do that, I do want to give it more time. Uh, because, you know, as much reverence as, as you give them, and I do respect, even though we disagree on a lot of shit, I do respect your opinion, I do think you have good taste so uh i I think it is something that i need to give a chance in fact fuck it i'll
2: I'll start listening to it when we're done recording yeah yeah do it once a month at least once a month listen to it and uh in its entirety and i think by six months from now um you will either love it or you will be a fucking poser thank you oh okay (laughs)
3: Well, all right. It's interesting but what you said about Sean though because like just his vocal delivery like his cadence it's almost like yeah, yeah. it's all over the you know, place. Yeah. It's
2: it's chaotic. It's it's yeah. insane. So is the music but
3: yeah. but I, he, I he, yeah, he... I I love violence, man. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I think they're fucking fantastic. So
1: Well, I am a big fan of Machine Head and, and, and the Supercharger record, so I'll check that out. Oh god. <laughs> that shit was horrible. Yeah, that's uh, my
3: fucking favorite Machine Head record. Oh yeah. I really oh yeah.
1: That. I I I don't know. That last one is up there too. That last one was terrible. Mm-hmm. Catharsis or whatever the fuck it was.
3: Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Oh, that's catharsis. Shit was I thought it fucking yeah. And and I, and I like Machine Head, but that shit. Was well, bad. so do I. But they're one of those bands I don't like everything they do. You know, like I like the first few albums. Didn't really care for Burning Red, and I hated Supercharger. But I did like Through the Ashes of Empires. Pretty much everything they've done until this new record. Oh, but, but, you know, everybody's different. I know Ralph doesn't care b- burn, for at all. burn my eyes, and the blackening are fucking amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Through the Ashes of Empires made the blackening possible. Oh yeah. Well, th- that's when they found their balls again. Exactly. Well,
2: but I didn't, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't like the third violence album. Nothing to gain was a big disappointment. They yeah. Had, yeah, dude, it's 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 terrible.
3: They it's a, not that what, good. It yeah, has like
2: two good tracks on it, but it's I'm such a fanboy. They re-released it on vinyl, so I bought it for two tracks on it. But they really did tame Sean Killian, and it was kind of like label pressure bullshit. And uh, but they also have a cool EP called Torture Tactics, which is yeah, a song. A song I, I, and I'm I have fan. all
1: those, and I haven't listened to them yet. I yeah, do
2: the have song that, the yeah. song Torture Tactics was uh, banned. They wouldn't let them, you know, because it's so fucking deranged lyrically that the, the record company would not release it. But then, then Metal Blade did. I think it was Metal Blade. Or no, it was Megaforce. Uh, they put it out. But yeah, my again, Oppressing the Masses is awesome. Awesome thrash. I love it. I profit off... Uh, fucking Officer Nice. Nice. Fuck Liquid, yeah. Yeah, Liquid Courage. Dude, that whole album, the title track, and my favorite, World in a World, which is cool. There's a cool video for it. But there you go. All right. Well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week, and
1: Fan of the Week happens to be here with us. Mr. Metal Mike Tyler, thank you so much, brother, uh, not only for being a fan from day one, but for donating for what was the Rock and Pod Expo 2. Thanks to you and everybody else who donated, that shit wouldn't have happened without us. And I'm surprised more people didn't fucking kiss our ass because we raised the most money two years in a row. For real. We for made real. that shit happen. I'm jealous. Yeah. But, but I, I, I did hear... That uh, that the great Aaron Camaro did give us a shout out on stage for that. So Yes he so, did. Yes, he did. So that's awesome. Well, come on, I, man. I, the Decibel
3: guys are stand up guys.
1: Oh, fuck I love yeah. those
0: guys.
3: Yeah, I, I wish their I wish their listeners were stand up. <laughs> yeah, well and and the other thing though, I, I just I, I i really and I've already told him that, but I, it meant the world to me that that Aaron Camaro invited us into his home and yeah. Very cool guys, man. Chris Sinzak. Aaron Camaro, they're good dudes. Yeah,
1: well, wow. you know, I actually—that's kind of on me because I told him I was bringing Phase Linear. He said, "Oh, you're gonna bring Phase Linear. Bring whoever you <laughs> want." You know, but uh, uh, but no, what what a great time that was to hang out at his house on Sunday, man. That was. I always look forward to that now. That is like, you know. Oh, I had a blast. That, man, that is, I started
3: getting lit, dude.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. You, you, were, <laughs> we were worried about you.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I,
1: I do. You went remember. the bathroom and we lost you. Then you you went in the she shed and we lost you.
3: <laughs> and, uh, oh, man. Yeah, I was fucking feeling it, man. I remember I went off on fucking Vinnie Vinson. I remember that. Oh, man. I got a feeling, though, that's probably going to be like the last Sunday at
1: Camaro's Place because it's getting so big now. I think we got a ticket somewhere else. <laughs> right. There's, there's too many of us. But, uh, but no, uh, good time. But, no, thank you,
3: brother, for all the support you've given us. And, hey, man, uh, uh You know, money well spent, for one, because I had a fucking absolute blast. And any uh, of you motherfuckers that didn't go, you kind of blew it. Just throwing that. Don't want to kick you while you're down, but, you know, but, it was and, amazing. And, and then it goes without saying Metal Mike Tyler was the guy who
1: kept the show alive at a time. Like probably a lot of people don't know, but me and Ralph were at each other's throats when we did our first episode with Metal Mike when we did the Black album. And uh, the future of the show was in jeopardy. And then we did the show with you. And Ralph and I were kind of on our best behavior, and we had a great episode. And I think we both realized how much fun we have doing this show, and that we were really fighting over silly shit. And uh, but you were
3: a big part of that, though, man. You came well, in. Thank in a you. I mean, time. that means the world to me because I'm and, telling you what. I mean, you know. Your show is, and I, and I, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say this. It's it's one of the highlights of my week. You know what I mean? Well, like, that makes sense because it is that good. It is. I mean, it really is, though. But you know, especially for people who maybe don't have an outlet, or you know, I don't know, man. It's just it, you're. It, it is the highlight, I think, to a lot of our the listeners. Week. I mean, that's why I think you guys have such a rabid fan base, man. Yeah. Well, I mean. Proof's in uh, the fucking pudding. You guys raised more money than anybody, not just year one, but year two. I mean, come on, man. Oh, no, That's because we talk about Kiss, you know. <laughs> I think there's more to it than that. dude. Uh, but, oh, there is? Oh, my God, Kiss. Oh, my God. Oh, my
1: God. Uh, but-
2: I, I, I have to say something very important about our Fan of the Week. Uh, in Nashville, Ian had to leave. What, what time did you leave Nashville?
1: Yeah, I had to be at the airport like 9 in the morning. So sure. And
2: my, my flight was like, what, 3, 4 in the afternoon? Yeah. So I asked Mike, look, Mike, if you can't, I understand. But it, it, since you're going to the Johnny Cash Museum, is it okay if I go with you there? You can spare me because you know, I'm going to be sitting in the airport for many, many hours. And Mike was kind enough not only to take me to the, to the museum, we got something to eat, we hung out. And when he took me back, all I had to do was wait an hour. So I really want to thank Mike uh, oh. for being so kind to save yeah. me from being at the airport for so many hours. I thought it was very cool of you to do. And I had an, an amazing time with Mike at the Johnny Cash Museum, which was fucking awesome. And uh, we had a great day, man, before. and I, oh. I was, And I'm happy that I spent my last hours with you, Mike.
3: Hey, the feeling is mutual, brother. I mean fuck I'm oh, like yeah, I know, I, I know. yeah, I'm I know. Mean, seriously <laughs> because <laughs> But uh but I was like, All right, I guess I'll you know, just go to this Johnny Cash thing on my own, pick up a souvenir from my dad, and then when you asked me, I was like, Fuck yeah, you can hang out, let's do this and it's ironic because like I told um forget who it was I told, but I said, Doctor Fuck was the first guy I saw in Nashville and he was the last guy I saw when I left.
2: That's right. I mean you the know? second I got to the hotel uh who do i see walking out the lobby is fucking metal mike
3: yeah i was just like holy shit man it was just just an amazing weekend i cannot wait to do it next year man and uh you guys fucking rule all hail the rock and metal combat podcast um and every and i like just all the cool people i met because uh i'm gonna be on brian davis's podcast here pretty soon i love that yeah i love brian I mean, I'll tell you what. I think out of all the guests you've ever had, and I told him this personally. Uh, well, I I, I got to be honest, Ralph. I told him what you told me, and I. But I told him I concur with Ralph, and he was like, "Oh my
2: God, thank you so much." I'm like, Brian, you fucking brain it, dude. I he, love I I love Brian Davis. He's such a great uh, addition. He's my favorite, you know. And and believe me, you know, I I don't think we've ever had a bad guest. But there's something about Brian Davis. He's so well prepared that I wish I knew him in the yes. beginning. He would have been, you know, a great addition to the, you know, the beginning of our show. But hey, man, we plan on having him on more and more.
3: Oh, hey, man! As far right.
2: as I'm concerned,
3: I might try to see if he wants to do a podcast with me because
1: he's yeah. fucking
2: awesome. And, oh, he's great. And, 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 and I'm serious.
1: I, I finally went back and listened to uh, the episode Ralph and I did on his show. Where uh-huh. Ralph and I did our favorite movies from 1975, great episode. 1979, great episode. and oh Gosh. my god, was it good? So yeah, so good. And he has a great show, so I, I tell all the listeners check out Damn Good Movie
3: Memories, man. Oh, because sure. I've listened uh, to it's a several great episodes, show. and he, he sent me the list of questions, and I think I'm gonna be recording that episode with him after I do the Tuesday night thrash bash because my that's from four to eight. Uh, Eastern and then after that I think like an hour later we're gonna record so I'm really really looking forward to that uh, it should be really fucking awesome I-, I love Brian to death like instantly I felt like when we met and he even said that when he gave me a shout-out about his experiences that he felt like we instantly became like best buds man and that and that's how I felt about him man he was just a such a great guy cool dude um, Yeah, Brian Davis rules you
1: rule Brian Fuck
2: Yeah, yeah, Brian rules now before we go into the plugs because we're gonna follow the plugs now with this I'm gonna play you guys an interview. I did with mark from death angel in the tour bus uh, The night that we opened for them and the guy's hilarious So it's gonna be a great addition to this show. So here we go. This is my interview with mark and then we'll come back to Sarah. Goodbyes Okay, we're here with Mark from Death Angel. Hell yeah! <laughs> In honor, I just got off stage. Oh an nice! Honor, honor playing with oh, you. All right, all man. It was my goal to play with a classic San Francisco <laughs> metal band. I, know. I want I to just plow through this. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So uh, I'd like to ask you some questions of your your history. All right. Of uh, Death Angel, and uh, I forgot the box set at home, so we are not going to talk about the Killers one. <laughs> so we'll talk about the
0: ultraviolence. ultraviolence. What are your memories of the ultraviolence? Recorded in three days mixed in five, Uh, you know, um, still to this day, it'll always be, uh, it'll always be my favorite of our albums, I have the biggest soft spot for that record, Um, because it was quite an accomplishment to get signed back then, and to put out, you know, an album, and that's when vinyl was much more prevalent than CDs, there you go. So, you know, when we first came out, I, I kept looking at it front to back, looking at the you know, liner notes. Very proud of that record, very proud. Right now, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of that record. And it's coming out again, isn't it? Yeah, it's released already. Oh, absolutely. You, you guys thought it yeah. Oh, yeah. I shall buy one. Then we go to? Draw to the park. Yes. Recorded okay. and mixed in two weeks total. Um, my personal least favorite Death Angel record. <laughs> oh. um, it is. Uh, I just think uh, too many different styles thrown in. You know, um, musicians growing up trying to, you know, getting better at their instruments, but uh, also, you know, listening to different types of music, but throwing too many different, ty- different types of music into one blanket of thrash. And I think uh, there's shining moments on it, but other than that, it's a little too scattered. Uh, then that Something that you didn't really approve of, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ball from Grace. Ball from Grace, live record. It was uh, recorded in Amsterdam at Paradiso. Uh, It was recorded for a radio broadcast only, and eventually it got released as an unauthorized live album, unauthorized by the band. And uh, the only thing I like about it, now that it's come around, you know, when it first came out, of course, I didn't like it. Now I'm fond of it. I like the cover. And I like the fact that we have an unauthorized live record. It puts us in line, you know, or at least it, I like to parallel it to Live at Last, live at last. <laughs> Oh, there so you go. Yeah. We're in good company if I think of it that way. <laughs> and, a great, and a great live album. There you go. And unauthorized. Yes, there you go. Act three. First uh, uh, record on a major label. A massive increase in budget. Recorded and mixed, I think, in about three and a half months by Max Norman. Blues of Bars and Died of a Madman. So to us, it was a big deal. We moved, we went down to LA, stayed in furnished apartments for three months, recorded, and it was just uh, it was ama- an amazing experience. And uh, the tour for that record was phenomenal. It was, uh, I saw it with Forbidden on it. Before Lyle, on the yeah, Beach. Yeah, that's right. So it was Death Angel, Forbidden, and there's just rumors. On some and Sanctuary on others. Oh, and that nice. was all throughout uh, the States and Europe. It was so then there was a big gap.
2: You uh, guys broke up for a while. and yeah, yeah. then you came back with Art of Dying. Art of Dying. I, saw, I like to say, side note, I went I went to San Francisco. I saw the Thrasher Titan nice. store. Where you guys were the only band that sell shirts that night. Yeah. You know that, yeah, no? yeah. other than the Thrasher Titan shirt. Yeah. Death Angel had the only shirt, so I bought a shirt as well. And then,
0: soon after. The Art of Dying. Yes, that was, I think, a 13-year hiatus between records being released, between Act 3 and The Art of Dying. Comeback record, I think it was good, as far as uh, we recorded it in San Francisco. And I think, again, it has shining moments, but it got our foot definitely in the door. Um, Still a bit, you know, a bunch of people, you know, throwing their ideas of what everyone thought Death Angels sound like. Um, so, but there's staples on that record that'll always be played live. So, but, you know, I think it, I think it was good for getting our foot back. And then, Killing Season. Very fond of Killing Season. Definitely very fond of that. But right thank you. By that point, I think we um, knew what we were doing. We were all kind of more on the same page. Um, we also, that was produced by Nick Raskalinex, uh, who produced, uh, a bunch of the Foo Fighters stuff. He's produced the last two Rush records. Um, so it was an honor to work with him. We recorded it at, uh, Studio 606, which is Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters and Nirvana's studio. So that was quite an experience. And I think, uh, a lot of strong songs on that record. I think that's one, is much more concise than, say, the art And then the last one, the latest. Yeah,
2: Retribution, which is
0: perfectly my favorite. All right, good man. We like to hear that. We'll Comebacks. Uh, yeah, that point, um and it's quite a statement because uh, between Killing Season and um, Relentless Retribution, we lost two original members, and um, you know a lot of people thought we should hang it up, and me and Rob definitely. As you know, the remaining two original members thought, "Hell no," and uh, you know, just had a lot to get off our chests and knew that this next album was going to be a lot more aggressive. Um, we got Will Carroll on drums, Damien Sisson on bass, Ted, who's been in the band since you know Reformation, and it's just uh, me and Rob had, a, as I said, a lot to get off our chests and minds, and I think uh, it's it's probably the most vicious Death Angel record. Remember. And produced by, and recorded in Florida! I was saying, recorded man, in, in Florida, Florida yeah. in where? Sanford. Sanford, Yeah. Where? Sanford? Sanford is outside West Orlando. Coast. Oh, or Central um, Florida. We, uh, with absolute madman, maniac producer, uh, Jason Sukoff, And that was the first death angel record that's ever been recorded outside of California. Oh, wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah. You guys recently did the... Uh, the
2: Metallica anniversary show.
0: Yeah. Oh, what was that like? Huh? Incredible. The whole week was incredible. It was like four or five shows that took over the Fillmore, and they brought in special guests every night. And I went to, I only missed one of the nights, but I went to every other night, and it was just phenomenal. And to get to share the stage on the, the, the closing night of the 30th year anniversary, um, just just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, they introduced us, they came out and told a little story about us, and we, you know, came out. Got a little half hour set though, it was great. Got to play for the you know fan club winners who got it. And then uh, for Seek and Destroy, you know, they invited everyone who played that day to come up and stage and jam. So I get to sing the first verse of Seek and Destroy, oh, you know, awesome. and the order well, be released? Um, that's a Metallica thing. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but you know it was cool and then you know a lot of the verse the choruses I was singing, you know, me and James on the same mic. So that was pretty
2: that's really
0: that awesome. Asked you do have a lot of history with them, Yeah, right? Do you have any uh, crazy Clip stories um, or any Clip stories? I do have Clip kind of stories because of- you is know, an uh, incredible guy who was always very supportive of Death Angel. Yes, I know, I know. Always. And I remember one time, um, I came, they had been in Europe as, you know, they pretty much lived in Europe after, you know, Killmo and uh, Ride the Lightning especially and they would just gotten back, and I was at Ruthie's Inn one time, and I walked in, oh, I take that back, it was The Stone. I walked in The Stone and Cliff was there, and uh, I walked, in. and you know, I was 15, 16, and uh, walked in wearing my Venom Welcome to Hell shirt, and you know, uh, Cliff, you know, they'd done a bunch of shows already with Merciful Fate, and a bunch of, you know, and shows with Venom, and a bunch of, you know, European festivals, and I, you know, I'm a little 15, 16 year old kid, and Cliff comes up to me, and he starts poking me right on the sternum with both his fingers like this, and he said, and he just poking me repeatedly, going, "You are so much better than those fucking guys." (laughs) I'm just like, "Whoa!" You know, I'm a Venom fan, but I was just like, and Cliff, I idolized Cliff, so, and you know, it's just, I'm sure they, they were, you know, maybe his musical taste. (laughs) <laughs> what an honor. But it was it was great to have that happen. It's going, whoa, whoa, and you know, and in, in, in a way, he was also complimenting our band. It was you know, kind of great. So, there's and one for
2: you. Any Paul Bailoff story? I know there there's million, million Paul Bailoff stories. I, uh,
0: but yeah, I definitely bonded by blood. I got, I have the razor blade scar across my, across my back of my palm here. We were definitely hanging That's out at it. the party in Antioch, and you know he. Grab my, again, 15, 16 years old, grab my hand, cut it with a razor blade, cut his, whomp. Licked our blood and <laughs> we were blood brothers. That is great. Bonded by blood. Okay, so I hope you can
2: sign all this. Hell thing. yeah, I it can. Great. All right, before I leave, I just, I mean, I hate to shamelessly plug my band, but there's a little death angel in my band. I like I that. What, you guys a Filipino or something? <laughs> no, Cuban. Oh, there you go. Most Cuban. Uh, my band, Thrasher Guy, uh, nice. our, our song, we have the last song on here is called Wake Up, Small, Thrash." Well, we mention a lot of thrash bands and songs. In the lyrics, it says, throw you from the third floor is what I'm going to do. Yeah. That was our nod to Death Angel. And I would
0: love to, for you to have a I coffee. I would love to have a copy. That rocks. Thank you so much. <laughs> also, <laughs> that rips. you and
2: I share the same birthday. February 9th. Yes.
0: Rock it. it.
2: I'm 65. Well, you don't want to. Uh, there you go. You're 65 years you old. No, no, I'm yeah. joking.
0: Born in '60. There you go. But anyway, well, you got me beat. There you go. <laughs> and I started late,
2: not unlike him. I should have started when you did.
0: I could have been on this bus with you guys. Are you on? Hell yeah. <laughs> well, born with you. Guys.
2: Well, at least I got to play a show finally, which was one of my goals. Hell yeah. Was to play with a classic San Francisco trash band and. Death Angel is one of my favorites, as you can tell. I own everything by them, Love it, even vinyl. And uh, I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, I have a million questions for you, but I I don't want to take up your time. I just uh, want you to sign my stuff. And gladly, so much for everything. And uh, what was your, while you sign my stuff, I'll
0: ask a couple questions. Uh, What was your favorite tour? Favorite tour uh, would actually have to be the latter years of Death Angel, so the second coming. It was Europe, Um, let's see, Creator, Exodus, Death Angel, Suicidal Angels. 24 shows, 24 days in a row. Wow. Favorite because it was just so damn fun. We had never toured with Exodus, we'd done spot shows with them, but uh, that time we just, just hit it off in a huge way, and the debauchery was just brutal, brutal. And shows were packed every night, and mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Really, I, I love that. It. Second favorite would be closely followed by um, the Anthrax Testament of Death Angels Tour that which, we've just, been which doing. just came, yep. and I saw it in Fort Lauderdale, the yeah. way. That was a great show. It was just a blast. But, uh, you know, the debauchery levels, nothing can touch that excess, <laughs> or so the creator excess.
2: And what, what, what year was that?
0: Um, like two years ago, maybe? Oh, okay. yeah, oh yeah, and it was ugly. And unfortunately, you were supposed to be part of the Thrash of Titans tour. Well, yeah, the like, and then it was uh, cold, the bus accident yep, happened. Yeah, bus accident.
2: Well, you guys weren't on your way to Miami for that one?
0: The no, we were all leaving, uh, Las, you know, we're leaving, heading to Las Vegas from Arizona. Yeah. yeah, And we were just doing like a little west coast kind of, we hit as far east as Arizona. Just kind of yeah. that area was us and Chris Poland's Metalopolis.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's solo album, yeah. Yeah. That was instrumental, wasn't it? That, that album? I think it was pretty much mostly instrumental. Yeah, yeah. And I did read there was a, a DVD you guys were releasing, which was going to have, like, kind of like a documentary of the history of the band. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that uh, almost done?
0: Getting there. We keep adding, you know, just more and more bits and interviews with people. Okay. So, uh,. You know, and more different concepts keep coming to the table. So it was supposed to originally come out already summer. And, you know, more and more artifacts and interviews keep popping up. So, but I say definitely going to be probably no later than April of 2013. I look forward to that. So it's it's just a documentary? Yeah. It's going to be a show on there or anything? There's going to be, you know, live clips and... The history of the band from Uh the beginning
2: until now. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. Well, thank you so much, Martin. Absolutely. Time. Signing
2: off here in Miami, Florida. Yeah. Where he's had no time, no days off. I looked at your tour itinerary. That's why they want to. <laughs> we keep... don't mess around, man. I don't want to take up too much New time. Tour. I want you to relax.
0: New tour. And give us a killer show, which I know and you will. from yesterday? Yes. We, we got, played, got uh, massacred last night, too. Oh, really? <laughs> what do you mean, like uh, drinking wise or Like drinking wise. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you're feeling it now, huh? No, I feel good
0: actually.
2: This morning. And you're playing the whole. Uh, Ultraviolet in its entirety. entirety and Absolutely. then you're going to throw in some other ones? Yep. Well, oh yeah. Are you going to start up? Well, let that be a surprise. For people come check out Death Angel when they come your way. Definitely. They're an amazing live band, amazing people. <laughs> and uh, Aquarius Brothers. That's right, baby. Signing off February <laughs> 9th, man. Goodbye. All right. Ear Peeler the podcasting
3: and interview news site to keep up with your favourite bands or artists and the
0: podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about
3: listen to the rock show with Gully and Joe, go to all the W's Gully, G-U-L-L-Y A-N-D-J-O-A dot UK 8pm UK time 3pm Eastern the Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans! This is Terence Reardon of the Terence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon. With yours truly, so if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube.
1: Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Doctor Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories. And personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York
1: Hey, 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 hey What up, bangers? From North
3: Carolina Skitter pal meow meow
0: This is Bushy, Bushy
3: And the Mountain Man Tune in every week for your listening pleasure Only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man You can find us on Hotbean and iTunes Thank you very much
1: This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time.
2: Be here or be a bitch. <laughs> hey there it's dr fuck giving you the dr fuck show id that's right the dr fuck show airing here every thursday night at 8 p.m eastern time come in and join the chat room it's always a great crazy time that's right i've been doing this for years on that metal station and you will love it Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody.
1: All right. Well, if you like that episode and what's not to like about Metal Mike Tyler and Death Angel, yeah. come back next week when we have a true visionary guest on the show. Phase Linear will be <laughs> oh, here. Oh, yeah.
2: Then I'm leaving, dude. Yeah. Uh, don't get intimidated. Stick around. I'm sorry. Might... I'm just so jealous of his fucking amazing editing well, skills. Exactly. You
1: might learn something. You might learn something. A true pioneer in videos. Phase linear. <laughs> That's our guest next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>